Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. I want you to grab your Bibles if you would. Now some of you, if you've already opened your worksheet, I know some of you may be a little freaked out because there are no blanks. Actually, there's a big blank. Um, and that's not, a, that's not saying anything about the message, I hope, um, that it's not going to be a big blank, but uh, we'll see. You'll be the judge of that. If you got your Bibles open in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read together verses 25 through 27. God's word says this, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. Now, if you read the the verses before that, you will see that Paul was uh, saying he didn't know whether it would be better to go home to be in heaven or to continue here. But he, he comes to the conclusion, I'm convinced and I'm staying here. And he says, I know this, that if I will remain and continue with you all, it'll be for your progress. And you may, uh, and your joy in the faith, in verse, verse 26, it says, So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He's saying, we'll have fellowship. It'll be great. It'll be a wonderful thing. And then he says, verse 27, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let the way that you live work and play. Let it, let it bring glory to God because of the beauty of the God. Let it display the beauty of the gospel. Let Jesus be seen in the way, in the manner in which you were living. And Paul goes on to say, so that whether I come and see or whether I'm absent, he says, so that live in such a way that even if I don't come, even if I don't make it, even if we don't get to have that fellowship, live in such a way that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I love the way that the Living Bible paraphrases that last verse. Verse 27, it says, But whatever happens to me, Paul says, Remember always to live as Christians should, standing side by side with one strong purpose, to tell the good news. Folks, that is the purpose of the church. That's why God hasn't taken us all to heaven. Is there are people who have yet to hear the good news. Now, does, does the church fellowship? Do we grow together? Do we minister and love? Yes. But we do all of that so that we can tell the story of the gospel to the world. Because the world is desperate for this. Now, our marching orders... Uh, Jesus was very, very clear just before he left. This is after his, his death, burial, and resurrection, but before he ascends back to heaven. In Matthew 28 uh, and in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus giving the church, us, his followers, our, our call from that point forward, and it's this. Jesus said to them, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Of who? All nations. Everybody's included. It's all encompassing. Of all. Of everyone. Go make disciples of all nations. And he goes on to say, here's how you're going to do it. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, some of you are saying, I'm still waiting on him to come upon me. Uh, please understand that that means in you. If you are a Christ follower, if you are one who has trusted Jesus with your eternity, the Bible says that the moment you did that, the Holy Spirit came on you to live in you. If you do not have the Spirit of God in you, you are not a follower of Jesus. You have not been regenerated, and your future is bleak. Because the Bible says that when you trust Jesus, the, the Spirit comes to live in you and seals the deal. That's, that's what seals your salvation. You go from a dead person, you're spiritually dead, to an alive person because the pneuma, the living spirit of God, comes in you, comes on you, and gives you life again. Renews your life. And so that's what it means. And so he says when the, when the spirit comes on you like this, you will be my witnesses. If the spirit of God lives in you, whether you do it well or often, there should be a desire. There should be a movement in you to want to see other people know about Jesus. There should be this movement in you to tell somebody else the good news of Jesus. That's what happens. You will want to bear witness. If Jesus is living in you, if the Spirit of God is in you, you will want to bear witness to the beauty and glory of Jesus. It, it's just going to want to work its way out of you. And Jesus tells you it's going to happen everywhere you go. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and then to the othermost parts of the world. It's going to happen in your city, right where you live. It's going to happen in your region. It's going to, going to happen in Samaria, which for me is going to people who aren't like you, who may be near you. And then it's going to happen everywhere you go, in all parts of the world. You'll be my witnesses. That, that you, you'll have that desire. And the purpose of that witnessing will be to make disciples for Jesus. Now, we have uh, been given by God, I believe, a very clear understanding of what it means to be a disciple. We have, for River Bluff, our definition of what a disciple is. And it's simply this. It's, it's out on the board. You can see it on hallway A. Um, it's, our, it's our triangle. We believe that a disciple of Jesus is one who is devoted to Jesus, who seeks to make each day practically an opportunity to learn from Jesus how to live the up in and out life of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. If somebody's you know, around here saying, well, you say that disciple, what is it? It's somebody who's practically seeking every day to follow after Jesus so they can learn to live the up in and out life that Jesus himself lived. That's what a disciple is. And that's what God has called us to be and to reproduce. Now, part of that life of a disciple and of disciple making is out. Today's message is all about the out. In fact, this series that we're entering starting today that we've called gospeling is all about the out. How are we doing out? How can we do out? How can we transform our own lives or allow the Spirit to transform our lives to be doing out better? How can we be demonstrating and declaring the gospel of Jesus, the good news, to every man, woman, and child where we live, work, and play without them ever having to come or go to church? Now, I know some of you are saying, huh? If the gospel is going to make it in this world in the days ahead, the days of y'all come and we'll tell you are gone. D folks, they're gone. People are not running to the local church to find what they need in this life. They're going everywhere else in so many ways. 
And if, if we're going to see the gospel happen, if we're going to see a movement for, for the sake of the gospel, it's got to happen out there. That's our marching orders. Do you remember the key word in, in Matthew chapter 28? All authority, I got it, I'm giving it to you. Do what? Sit in your chairs that are comfortable at River Bluff and wait on them to come to you. It's not what he said. He said go. He, he, he said go. So what we're going to talk about is a strategy for going. What that can look like here at the river and then what it can look like for each of us individually. Uh, Proverbs 29, many of you are familiar with this verse from Proverbs 29 verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. New American Tr Standard translates it, where there is no vision, people kind of run unrestrained. There could be a lot of motion and activity, but no new grounds taken. There, there's just, nothing really is happening of value in, in, a, in an environment like that. And what that tells me is that we need to be intentional. We need to be intentional as individuals, disciples of Jesus, and we need to be intentional corporately as a body of disciples of Jesus, as, as the people of God. And so today, we're thinking, we're launching this idea about being intentional in gospeling. And we're going to talk more about what the gospel is in the days ahead, but I want us to think about kind of the how. The strategy, if you would, the, the, the battle plan. Now, part of being in a battle is knowing your enemy. And one of the things that God's Word tells us that we can know are the schemes of the enemy. Jesus told you, you know the schemes of the devil. You know how he works. You've experienced him. He's beat you up more than once. So we can know the schemes. And I'm here to tell you this morning that one of the schemes of Satan is he's going to whisper in somebody's ear, maybe multiple somebody's, what about me? What about me? I, I, don't, I don't fall into that that you're talking about specifically. What about me? And I'm here to tell you it is about you. And, it, it, and it's uh, about us. But I just want you to, to, to know what I think some of you are going to get whispered today. So you know whose voice that is. So I'm going to start by telling you what I'm not saying today. You ever had anybody do that in a message? Just tell you, here's what I'm not talking about today. Okay. Here's what I'm not talking about today. This is what I'm not saying. I am not saying limit. I am not saying that we're trying to limit. We're not, we're not limiting the work uh, of God. I believe with my whole heart that God wants the gospel in every nook and cranny and crevice in, in greater Charleston, in our, in our state, nation, and around the world. God wants us to saturate the globe with his glory through the telling of the gospel. God wants, us, God, God wants to see that happen. And so we're, we're not saying that we're limiting. What we're doing is we're going to focus on ways to deliver the gospel a little bit better in the days ahead. Can you bring up that map of the Tri-County area, please, sir? This is, this is where we live, work, and play. River Bluff Church is a regional church. And by that I mean we're not just a neighborhood church because we have people who are, are participating members in this church from all three counties. Plus we've got a couple from Colleton County. So we've got, we've got folks that drive regionally to participate in church here. 
And because of that, we've got to think regionally at times. And so we think, we're thinking about how do we take the gospel to the greater Charleston area, the, 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 the low country, if you would. By his grace, God sovereignly designed that. We didn't, we didn't do that. God, God did that. And so we've got to think about how do we intentionally gospel regionally in the days ahead. Back in uh, July of 2016, um, the Census Bureau released some data that were estimates. Now, these were estimates, but they estimated that the, the July of 2015 through the July of 2016 saw 16,522 new people come to the greater Charleston area. And they all drive on these roads. I think all 16,000 of them ended up with cars here, you know. But the, the, the 16,000 have come here. And the estimates are that by the year um, 2020, no, 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 excuse me. At that time, the estimate was that there was approximately 761,000 and some change of people who were now living in the Tri-County area. Okay, they're estimating that we will crest 800,000 by 2020. That, that, that's, what, that, that's what we're looking at. And so River Bluff has a responsibility to take the gospel to, 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 to those 800,000 people. We, we have a role to play in that. So one of those roles is to, to come alongside new churches. Destiny is a church plant. Uh, pastor Larry Goss is the pastor there. Pray for them. Um, in fact, uh, Pastor Larry and I were together back in February, and we, we had a brief discussion about maybe one day, Terry, I ain't even said any of this to you, but one day our worship team coming over there one Sunday evening, and our church coming over there and us worshiping together. I think that could be a cool deal. You know, we'll see, see what the Lord does with that. But now he's knit us together and we're going to get to serve with him for that part of the Tri-County area and we're going to continue to do that. We're part of uh, a local association of 77 churches known as the Charleston Baptist Association. Um, and the Charleston Baptist Association, we are working to create a strategy to be more regional in partnerships than we've ever been. And so we're part of what's now being called the Northwest Cluster of the CBA. And I'm going to read you the churches that are a part of that. Um, it's the Charleston Korean Church that's right up here on Ashley Phosphate Road. Many of you passed that. There's Doorway Baptist Church that's uh, further down Dorchester into um, towards that part of North Charleston. There's Great Commission Baptist Church which is about a two-year-old church. They are um, uh, up in Kings Grant is where they currently meet. Hillcrest Baptist Church is down Ashley Phosphate. Many of you know where that's at. Iglesia Nueva Vida is meeting way up Dorchester Road for now, um, but they're the they're the Hispanic church we planted years ago over at Midland Park. They're out there now. Um, there's also Low Country Baptist, and for the life of me, I don't know where that's at. So somebody go find it and come tell me where it's at, okay? It shows up on a map, but it's wrong. Um, Radiant Church, which is a church that we've helped plant over at our other campus, Midland Park, and uh, they're there, and then Riverbend Church. Now, the, those nine churches are part of what is being called this Northwest Cluster, and we're going to work together like we've never worked together before to try to saturate the gospel in that region. Now, if you can think about it, Radiant Church is the church farthest east 
if you would. Everybody else kind of backs up kind of down the Ashley Phosphate Corridor up against the Ashley River, if you can kind of imagine that. So we're going to be partnering with those churches, those eight other churches, in unique ways that we haven't in the days ahead to saturate that part of the Charleston area with the gospel. It's, it's part of the strategy. Now, when, when we were, about four years ago, I, I felt like the Lord said to me, Joe, I want you to, to go hang out with church planters and see what River Bluff could do to bless them. And so I went, and it involved going through a nine, mo nine months of training with them. It was for church planters. I, I'm not a church planter. And in that, God just started, fireworks started going off. And so I came back and I said, I want our staff to go through this and other church leaders to go through this. And so through cycles of, of this thing called Cypher's training for church planters, we've taken, I don't know, maybe 20 or so leaders from River Bluff through Cypher's training. And what happened there was I thought we were going to go bless them. Well, maybe we have a little bit, but nowhere near what I think that movement has done in the hearts uh, of our leaders. And it was there four years ago that some of these strategies and thoughts began really beginning to be birthed out by hanging out with these folks who had a heart to plant churches. And so what, what we're not saying is that we're limiting. We're not going to stop doing global missions. We're not going to stop trying to bless the nation. We're not going to stop any of that. What we're going to do is we're just going to get better at focusing so that we can go more, if that makes sense. And so what I am saying today is that word. We're going to focus. We're going to focus some of our efforts for a unique purpose. And mostly because we believe this. Some of you have heard this saying for years. We really do believe that the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. Common sense, okay? We believe that. And so we want to shine a very bright light into our area of the city. And to do that, we're, we're kind of adopting a strategy, a battle plan that I'm calling and we're calling now AOA. It simply means area of accountability. And I want you to watch this short minute and a half video to help us just kind of get the thoughts about that going. So guys, if you'd run that video, I'd appreciate it. Jesus Christ across the United States takes many different forms and expressions, but despite their different styles and approach to ministry, these local churches, our churches, share a common purpose to give the men, women, and children in our area repeated opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel. Circles of Accountability, or COAs, are one way to help churches be more effective in reaching thousands of people through both individual responsibility for a defined area and collective ownership of the greater whole. How do COAs work? Pastors within a defined geographic area, for example, East Austin, come together to seek God's heart for the people who live in that area. These pastors meet to pray, seek God's vision for their geography, get to know their area and get equipped, strategize on reaching their area, and mobilize and engage believers to work together to reach their area for Jesus Christ. Can you reach the city all by yourself? 
Probably not. The COA creates interdependence among local churches, each bringing their strengths to the table and taking ownership of where God has placed us. Together, we can bring Christ to the different neighborhoods, communities, and people in our cities and across the country. Now, some of you are saying, Joe, they said COA, and you said AOA. Well, there's a reason for that. Um, circles don't work well in cities with lots of rivers. There are natural boundaries where there are no bridges that sometimes keep our influence from being stewarded well on the other side of rivers. And so the people that we were hanging out with that were training us alongside of these church planters were helping us think of what it would look like if we were to truly take the liability for the lost in that area where we were planted. What would it look like if we really took seriously the lostness right around us? What would happen if we, if we just said, we believe we're going to stand before God one day. And after he says, why should I let you into my heaven? And we say, because we're with Jesus. He might also say, well, did you bring anybody with you? And we want to be able to say, we tried our best. We did everything we knew how. AOA, for me, is a way to think about that. And think about doing that well. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, what, 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 is that, what does that look like? Um, and I want to talk about that. I want to tell you a couple of things that an AOA is. First of all, uh, an AOA is both individual and corporate. You have an AOA individually. You have an area of accountability before God for the lostness that he has put you in. Where he has planted you geographically and where he's given you relationships. Which are the other two ideas about AOAs is not only, are, you know, are they individual and corporate, but they're also geographical and relational. Okay, so that, those are kind of four characteristics of what an area of accountability looks like. And w I want to help you kind of grab hold of that, and, and we're going to look at some of those in a minute for us corporately. But I want to give you a picture, if you would, of what an individual AOA looks like. So I'm going to ask uh, Don Hall, Donita, if you would make your way up here. Y'all welcome Donita to the stage uh, this morning, if you would. And Donita does better than Michelle at sitting in a chair, so we're going we're, we're gonna to sit at the table together. Um, it makes me feel tall. It helps you feel tall. Yeah. <laughs> um, Donita uh, is uh, married to Liam, handsome man. Raise your hand. There's Liam. That's um, his nickname, Handsome. <laughs> uh, how long have you guys been hanging out here at River? About two years. About In two August, years. it'll be two years. Okay. And uh, I, I know, because we've talked about it before, that when you guys first landed here, you kind of connected um, in a missional community that made, met at Dave's house and you guys kind of met there for a season. But then you felt like God was calling you to do something similar but different in your own neighborhood where you live, work, and play. And uh, so God kind of gave you guys this idea to do what? The first idea? Yeah, the first, the first idea. idea. First, idea. first idea. First idea. What, what have you been doing kind of in the last, last year and a half or so? Okay. When we first got here, I would go to Chick-fil-A on Monday mornings to organize my week because I didn't want to be in my messy house that was still being set up. And so while I was there, I started to make connections with one of the hostess in the Chick-fil-A. And I felt like God say, invite her to dinner, her and her daughter. So we did. And from there, we started opening our home to say every Wednesday night is an open house. 
anyone who wants to come can come and have dinner with us. We would plan for around a dozen and we could end up with anywhere from four to a dozen in our home. And we didn't push the gospel. It was not a Bible study. We were not trying to just do another Bible study because our first person that came, she was very adamant that I was not going to tell her about God. <laughs> and so I said, well, okay, but we pray before a meal. I, that's our requirement. So we did that, and we started doing what was called highs and lows. And highs and lows, we just went around the table and asked everyone, what's your high this week? What's your low this week? And from that, we would learn prayer requests, and they would open the door to present the gospel sometimes just in conversation. Now that, that first young lady that you met mm -hmm. that told you no God stuff for me. No God stuff. Eventually <laughs> ended up here through some of those yes. gospel conversations yes. and um, had a beautiful little daughter. Uh, what was her name? Remember? Isis. Isis. Yes. And some of you met her. Uh, some of you remember we had the privilege of giving them a car. It was one of the, mm -hmm. uh, some of you that donate cars to our cars ministry. We got to bless that family. And so we know that they got to hear the gospel. Multiple times. Multiple times. And we're great for that. Now, you guys have done that for a season, but somewhere along the way recently, God said, I want you to change this up. That was good for that season, but I want you to do something a little more where? Okay, well, the first thing that we were doing, it just kind of drew from our work and from acquaintances and sometimes random people that came with other people. So relationships. Very much relationships, right. and it was, a, it was a wild mix of everything from homeless to professionals with DOD contracts. And then God started really laying on our hearts about our neighborhood. And some friends of mine sent me a book or recommended a book called The Turquoise Table uh, about a year or so ago. And it really kind of gave us this opportunity, this idea that we can start to reach our neighbors. And so we've transitioned from the Wednesday night family meals, family supper, to the turquoise table, only my table is lime green and brown. What's the idea of the table? The, ta table. Yeah, the what, table's the, idea is you just place a table out in your front yard and you wave at your neighbors, you talk to your neighbors, you say hi to your neighbors, you spend time sitting at the table and just praying up and down your street. And it opens a lot of conversations because people will pass by and I never thought I'd be the person just waving to say hi to everyone, but that's me. And as they come by, they then go to their house and then come walking back and ask me, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And it opens the door for me to say, well, Jesus gave me two commands. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. And at this table, I'm learning to love my neighbor. And I get to talk to people about everything from the mundane to gospel presentations. And I now, now, who have you, in this time, uh, you've been doing this for a couple months, two months now. You have discovered something about the diversity of your neighborhood. My neighborhood has everything from Muslims, Buddhists, Mormons, um, even the Mormon missionaries have stopped by to try to parcelatize at my table. Um, and atheist, and then a lot of Christians. Um, and so it's, it's really, it's opened my eyes to how diverse. We have divorce, we have cancer, we have hurting, and I'm just in a regular suburban neighborhood. Right. 
Right. So. Now, it's, is it okay if somebody decides, hey, can I come sit at the table with you? Oh, always, okay, always. So there's an invitation. You're going to put... Matter of fact, if I'm not even at the table, you're <laughs> welcome to sit at the table. <laughs> the table's empty. You can sit there. <laughs> That's right. And uh, now, I, I know you told me you do things like you provide, you have some dog treats and some yes. water for people walking their dogs, not for the people you don't... Actually, on really hot days, any day that it gets over 90 degrees, we do put out free water for our neighbors. Not in a bowl for people. No, okay, okay. actually, it's in a cooler. Okay. okay. And if it's going to reach over 100 degrees, heat index we put a canopy up oh well good <laughs> well um, so if somebody wants to just kind of maybe come sit understand what you're doing learn from you and then go do it where they live oh, work and play would be okay that would be awesome okay. you're going to put your address on the city yes with how to how to get there okay y'all yes. thank donita for sharing thank with you. us this morning thank you dear <laughs> that is a one way of thinking about moving the gospel forward in your geography, in your neighborhood, where, just where you live, work, and play. It was entrepreneurial. It was something she felt like God gave her from something that she read. We want to celebrate more and more of that because I believe God's going to do more and more of that. And so that's, that's a demonstration of your geographical AOA and what you could do there if you would follow the, the, just the Spirit of God living in you. As a church, corporately, we also need to have and identify our AOA. And that was one of the things that they walked us through as we were learning from our church planting friends. And I want to show you, to start with, what, what our AOA looks like geographically that our elders have officially adopted and after a season of praying through this, uh, th this is what our AOA looks like. It does not look like a circle. Um, it doesn't look like a square or a rectangle or a triangle either. It's its own little polygon. Now, some of you are saying, how did you arrive at that? Well, we were told initially, think of a, a, a size of ministry of about 30,000. Okay? And I told them, well, you don't know the people at River Bluff. They can handle more. So going into this, we ended up right at about 35,000 people living in the AOA as it's marked out now. Um, we, when we drew the boundaries, here's what we did. We knew the river would be a boundary. It's a natural boundary. We looked for a couple of other natural boundaries. And so you see the river to the bottom. To this side um, is the Dorchester County line. Going up that way is Dorchester County line. And the other side that's kind of squiggly is Eagle Creek. Those were natural boundaries. We didn't make those up. Um, if you somebody says, where's Eagle Creek? If you drive across Dorchester Road, um, kind of after you pass Walmart and all, there's a, what looks like a big ditch. That's actually a creek that runs back, back around, back to Palmetto Park and all, uh, Palmetto Commerce. Um, but th those are our natural boundaries. Within that boundary, when we did that, there were 35,000 people. It's estimated by 2020 that there'll be 40,000 people living in that polygon. And we believe that that's the, the region that God has given us to be uniquely accountable for corporately as a church. Now some of you are saying, I don't live there. Guess what? I don't either. Only one port, we were, Monday as we were meeting as a staff, only one person at the table lived there. But that doesn't mean it can't be our corporate area of focus, area of accountability. And so here's what we've said. And this is on the area of accountability is back here. It's going gonna, it's gonna to maintain a centerpiece of the call that God has on us. It's on a wall back here. Um, and here's what it says. It says, River Bluff's area of accountability is the God-assigned geography in our city, which we assume liability for lostness. 
Our plan is that through gospel saturation, we strive to give every man, woman, and child in our AOA multiple opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the good news of Jesus without ever having to, where they live, work, and play, without ever having to come or go anywhere. That, that's, that's our AOA that we're working for. Now, some of you are saying, what is that about? Well, here's what it's about. Those of you that have been hanging out here for a while know this. That back um, in around 2000, God miraculously gave this church, what was then Midland Park Baptist Church, miraculously gave us 25 acres of land. In 1997, we heard the voice of God say, Midland Park, I need you to relocate. And so here's what we started doing. We started looking for some, some dirt between Goose Creek and North Charleston. We thought that's where God wanted us to go. We looked really hard. And God gave us 25 acres here. Now, from a fiscal standpoint, some of you are saying, well, now, Joe, I remember it was cost like a hundred and something thousand dollars. From a, from a, a, a book standpoint, it was a wash, basically. It really looked like, by the numbers, God just gave us 25 acres. It was miraculous. We knew God planted us here. God sovereignly did that. Just like God sovereignly planted you where you're at. Where you're living, God sovereignly put you there. The neighbors that you have, God sovereignly has arranged that. He knows that. Some of you are saying, God would not do that to me. Well, maybe God knew that your neighbors needed him. And he knew that you were the only person that could crack through that hard shell. Maybe that's what that's about. And so, that's your AOA individually. But corporately, God gave us this AOA. And what that means is, we are assuming the responsibility for the lostness in that region of the city in a unique way. It's not saying we're forgetting anybody else. It's not saying we're limiting. But we are going to assume, and so what that means is we're going to work with other churches in that area in ways we've never done before because we cannot reach 40,000 people on our own. We're going to have to work together. And so here's one of the ways that I want to implore you to help us quickly. On July 29th, we are going to once again celebrate Kingdom Sunday here. We're going to do that. For those of you that are new, Kingdom Sunday is a day when we don't do this. We, we kind of lock the doors. There's no services here. And we send our people out to churches in the low country to bless them. Now, historically, we've said focus on churches that look like they're struggling, don't have many cars there, or maybe new plants, and we give you a list. I want to do a new caveat this year to help us move this up the field. And it's this. I want to ask you to prayerfully consider going to a church in our AOA. A church in that polygon map grid. Now, this, here's where it's going to be scary. I'm going to ask you to cross shh, denominational lines. I'm going to ask you to go to a church that's not like us, maybe. Cross denominational lines. Because if they're a church who loves Jesus, who uses the Bible, believes it, proclaims the gospel as the only way to God, there are brothers and sisters and we can work with them to saturate the gospel. Now we may not plant a church together because doctrinally we'll probably be a little differently, but there's a lot we can do together to get the gospel saturated out there. I had a teacher from a local school in our AOA come to me after the first service and say, what would it look like for, you know, this church? She's visiting with us. She's, she's not joined. She's visiting with us. What would it look like for this church to help me do the gospel at our, the school where I work? And I said, let me tell you 
you a story about what God's already begun in another school in our AOA. And she got so excited to think that maybe God could use us either through helping another church do this or maybe some of us breaking off and going over there to saturate the gospel. Those of you who have been working at Oak Brook Elementary School know that God has given us a great gospel presence and pathway there over the past three years. That's God doing that. But that's part of our AOA and we want to continue to do that, that kind, of, kind of work. One of the ways that you can help us is by helping us partner with other churches and go to those churches in our our AOA this coming July 29th, Kingdom Sunday, with the express purpose of saying, we're in this together. Give your tithe. Some of you that are new don't know we do this maybe on Kingdom Sunday. We encourage you to give your weekly tithe to that church when you're there. We want you to do that. We want you to bless them. We want you to pray for them. We want you to meet leaders and let them know that we love them and that we believe that they are not our competition, but we're collaborating for the sake of the gospel because it's about being in this Christ together. It's part of a movement. And we want to see that happen in a more powerful way right here in this region of our city. Because we've, we're taking liability for that. Now, I've got, I want to close with this, this thought as we think about what it looks like to, to really take on the liability for lostness. If we're going to take on, truly take on liability for lostness in this unique part of the city, we're going, it's going to start with a mind change. There's going to have to be a mental shift. And the mental shift is going to be this. We're going to have to change our thinking from inside out thinking to outside in. in we, we've got to go from inside out thinking to outside in. If River Bluff were to grow, let's say, to the point that we needed to have 10 services, to have, you know, 500 people at each service. Let's say we had 5,000 people coming. Let's say 5,000 people started coming and, and millions of dollars th started flowing through here and we started distributing, you know, around the world, you know, in, in all of that. But 10 other churches closed their doors because their members left there and came here. There's a guy by the name of Dwight Smith who is a church planting strategist. He tells a story about a guy who went to a city, planted a church that blew up and became a mega church, and a hundred churches closed their doors. Because mostly what they did was swap sheep. Now, when, you, when we get to heaven, do you think that God is going to be really excited about that? I don't think so. See, here's the deal, folks. The health of every church in our AOA reflects our health. It reflects our health. If they're healthier, we're going to be healthier. If they're healthier, this part of Charleston is going to be healthier with the, with the gospel. And so it's important that we grab, we grab hold of this reality. That we have a, a role to play, that, that, that God desires this. See, if, if, it's, if it's only about, you know, how much and how many and how happy we are, we're missing the point of the gospel. We're missing that point. Now, I'm not saying that we, God doesn't want our church to grow. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying he doesn't want us to grow at the sake of the spread of the gospel among those who are not part of us. And that's going to take a mind shift. You know, one of the reasons that McDonald's took over the world for a while is, is because they put one on every corner. 
They didn't put one big one downtown somewhere and you know, throw all their resources into that one big one so that everybody, the best cooks in town would come there and the best, you know, fry fryers and the best hamburger makers. They didn't do that. They put one on every corner. They, they just saturate it. And guess what? Those stores are not disconnected from each other. They have a similar vision. They're working together to feed America. You know, I didn't say it was healthy, but they're feeding America kind of thing, you know? See, if we, if we get to think that it's only going to be about more people, more money, happier people for us, if, if that's what this is, if, if this is what that's all about, then, you know, there may be a day that some of us can say, well, we won the game. But the lost will spend eternity separated from God if that's the game. And so we've got to think, we've got, we've got to have a strategy, we've got to have a battle plan as the, the army of God to move forward, to, to think about what it looks like to take on hell in, in, a, in a spot on this planet. And then as we do that, move that out more and more. And it's going to start when we move from thinking only about the inside to thinking about the outside. Some of you say, Joe, give me chapter and verse. Okay, Philippians 2. The Bible tells us that our Lord was in heaven. He had the splendors of heaven at his disposal. And he looked outside of heaven and saw us. And he took on flesh. He became like us. He sacrificed. He gave all that up because he didn't, he didn't count it as something to be held on to. He didn't look inside and hold on tighter. He looked outside and he came. And because of that, most of the people in this room have a relationship with God through that son Jesus because of his life, because of his death, because of his burial and his resurrection. We have life in the gospel of Jesus. It gave us life when we heard it. We responded to it. But there's a world out there that needs the army of God to get going, to have a plan, to be intentional, individually and corporately, relationally and geographically. That's God's plan for River Bluff Church. That's God's plan for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, I just come to you now. One of the, as one of the elders of this church, Lord, you know that we're, we're a plurality of, of leaders here. And that this wasn't just something that I dreamed up. This was something that you put on the hearts of so many of us in leadership. And God, that the timing was right to kind of display it and begin moving in that direction and thinking more strategically about our being more responsible for the lostness of our city, more responsible for the lostness of our geography, corporately and individually. So I pray, God, Spirit of the living God, move in us. Because I'm keenly aware, we're keenly aware that if anything good happens, it's only going to be because of you. And Lord, I believe you've given us this vision. And you've called us to this task. 
And it's a big one. So we come saying, dear God, help us please. We are intending to be obedient, but help us. And I know that maybe today, every time a crowd this size gathers, there may be somebody here who showed up. Maybe a friend invited them. And we didn't talk about your need today for the gospel. And I just want to say real quickly, the gospel is basically that God created this world beautiful and wonderful and perfect. And sin came and corrupted it. Our own choice to sin. All of us have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And, but God, then you decided that you were going to redeem it all. And so you sent your son to overcome our lostness. And that simply by believing that Jesus' death on the cross would overcome our separation from you because of our sin by repenting of trying to figure it out and do it our own way, repenting of our sin, trusting you for life, your word tells us that we would be saved. We would be connected with you. Your spirit would live in us. You'd give us new life. If you're here today and you need that new life, I want to say to you, you don't have to leave this place today without it. I'll be down front. Some others of us will hang out to talk if that's what you want to do. But most of us gathered here today have received the gospel. And in a new fresh way, maybe God's calling us to take it out. Outside thinking. So Father, my prayer is that as we close this time in worship, that you will help us all think about our individual AOA, that you will, Holy Spirit, give all of us, quicken our minds for how we can maybe plan our own table or whatever it is you would call us to do in our geography where we live, work, and play. And then as a church, how we're going to move forward in this collaborative effort to saturate this section of the greater Charleston area with the gospel. Help us, God. We pray we want to. We've heard your call. Your words called us to it. We want to do that. So we come now to worship you. We come now bringing you back your tithe, that 10% of what you've allowed us to earn to give back to you for your glory, for the sake of the gospel. And then we bring offerings, God, that just beyond and above our tithes that we want to give because we, we, we just want to sacrifice and be generous for the sake of the gospel. And we come giving our hearts now as we worship you. Hear our prayers, O oh God. It's in your son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9.30 or 11 o'clock services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.